Well, again, glad you guys are here as we continue in our series called Clear as Mud. And I'd like to begin with a question. What do cars, snakes, tubas, and children have in common? All right, I'll give it to you one more time. What do cars, snakes, tubas, and children have in common? Now, if you think you've come upon some deep, profound answer in your mind, how those are connected, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, is, those are just some things that my friends have lost. So I posted online and said, hey, share some things that you've lost that are funny or hard to believe but true. And these are a few things that they shared. So the first one, Joe said, I always lose my car coming out of Walmart every time. I personally give it five seconds and then I start hitting the lock button to hear it go again. And then I just go straight to the panic button, all right? You guys know you do that as well. All right, Giselle shared this. Brad, her husband, lost his five-foot ball python snake, Veronica, which is timeout. Um, if I ever own a snake, I will be naming her Veronica because that's awesome. All right, so she had a, had a snake named Veronica. She was missing for about six months. We figured she had just escaped from the house. I mean, that's sad. Veronica's gone. We love you. Hope you do well. That's not the end of the story. She turned back up one day when she was crawling out of the bottom of the living room couch where she had been hibernating. All right, you're just down there one day. This isn't actually Veronica. It's a lookalike. Um, but you're looking for the remote. You're like, oh, there's a Cheeto. There's the remote. Oh, there's Veronica. You know, there you are. I've missed you. That would freak me out. All right. Next one, Kathy says this, in high school, a band-aid lost a tuba at Disney World. The band director at the time said, and I, and I don't think this was nice, I think this was like angry director, how do you lose a tuba? You know, uh, that's a great question. Harmonica, maybe, not a tuba. All right, so hopefully they found it. And then the last one, it's just something that I can relate to as a parent. Leanne confessed, I lost my three-year-old while strawberry picking once. All right, any other parents, show hands, you've lost a kid at Walmart or strawberry picking. I've lost a few at Chuck E. Cheese myself. All right, so we do lose things like phones and cars and pets, musical instruments, we lose a lot of things like that. But we also lose things that are really, really important to us. Uh, some of you here today have lost a job. Maybe you saw it coming, maybe you didn't see it coming, but you've lost a job. Some of you have lost a home or a bank, a home or a car to the bank. Some of you have lost your health or you're in the process of losing it. Some of us have lost friendships, boyfriends, girlfriends, marriages, and some of you have certainly lost loved ones to death. Maybe you're in the midst of losing or you've recently lost something like that. And the reality is in this life, we will lose and we will lose a lot, right? It's just kind of how it goes. So in this series, Clear as Mud, we've been talking about how when we, when we believe in Jesus, that we are forgiven of our sins, promised eternal life, and we have a relationship with God. Amazing things, right? But a lot of people are worried if they can lose that too. I remember when I was five, and this was when I first believed in Jesus, and uh, now I wasn't a hardened criminal running from the law, but I did remember understanding that I had sinned, 
and my sins separated me from God and that Jesus died for me. And I remember believing in him, but as I grew, especially during my teen years, I often wondered and worried if that was something that I could lose because there were times where I didn't feel as close or it didn't feel as special having that relationship with God. So I wondered, do I still have it? Maybe you have asked similar questions. If I don't feel close to God like I used to, do I still have a relationship with him? A really common question that maybe you've been wondering this and you're dying for an answer is if I mess up, if I cheat on my spouse, if I steal something, if, I, if I'm on websites that I shouldn't be, if I just kind of blow it, is God still going to love me? A lot of people really wonder, can I know for sure that heaven is real and that I'm going to go there after I die? These are really big questions I think we wrestle with. And I'm glad that you're here today, wherever you find yourself. If you're on the very front end and this is your first time in church or you're just now considering faith and Christianity, I'm glad you're here. If you're like me and you've been a believer for, for several years, I'm glad you're here because we're gonna look at a passage of scripture, some verses from the Bible that truly changed my life when I first understood them. And I think they can do that for you as well. Let's pray and ask God just to help us learn this morning. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. God, we come to you humbly and ask that you teach us from your word and help us apply it to our life. In your name, amen. So we're gonna look at Ephesians 1, and it begins this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Now Paul was kind of a big deal. He was uh, one of the main leaders as the church was beginning. And he would travel around throughout the Roman Empire and plant new churches so when you look around today and see a church with people, that's what he was doing. And he started a church in Ephesus around A.D. 52. And about 10 years later, he wrote them this letter to help them understand the blessings that they had in Christ. Now, spoiler alert. We're going to look at three blessings, three images that he gives us. And these aren't little blessings. These aren't small. They're not medium. They're not large. They're not extra large, 2X or 3X. If these blessings were a shirt size, they would be extra, 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 extra large. They're huge and they're life-changing if we can understand them. The first one that we find out is adoption. That when we place our faith in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, we become adopted. Our, our passage continues and says this. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved. 
Now, these verses start with kind of an important phrase that says, predestined us to be adopted through Jesus. What that means is that before God created the world, before he created everything that we see, he predestined or he predetermined or he predecided the way that we would become adopted into his family. And the way that that would happen is by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And through faith in him, we would become his children. He did that for us. Now notice it says grace. That this happens through grace. It has nothing to do with our good works, which is one of the biggest misconceptions about this whole deal that if I do enough good things and if at the end they weigh out the good over the bad that I'm gonna get to heaven, it has nothing to do with that. It's purely because of his grace. Ephesians in the next chapter says it this way, for you are saved by grace through faith. Not good works, not going to church. It's through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's what? It's his gift not from work so that no one can boast. This has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God and his grace. When we trust in him, he becomes our father. Now, some of you, the word father doesn't really create a lot of warm fuzzies for you. Maybe your dad hurt you. Maybe your dad was bad to your mom. Maybe your dad was never around. Maybe your dad left your family. Maybe your dad passed away and you don't even know what that means. That's not the kind of father that we have when we're adopted into his family. We have a good, good, good father. A few things that the Bible tells us about our father. The first is his love. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. His love for us is unconditional and it doesn't change Next, he cares for us. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. You, and you, and you, and you. He cares for you. The things that you're worried about, the things that are making you anxious, the test that you're studying for, the project that's overdue, <laughs> the relationship you can't figure out, he cares for you. And this one's probably my favorite. When Jesus was with his followers, they said, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus taught them this. He said, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. You guys have heard the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Our Father means daddy. That we can approach creator God as our daddy. Now we have four kids and I have loved when the kids began to say daddy. And our youngest is Micah, and just this past week, he began to say, dad, 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 I need more Cheerios, dad, dad. I love it. As his father, it simply melts my heart to hear him talking to me. That's what it does when you say, God, I need help. God, I need you to care for me. God, I need you to listen. He says, yes, I'm all ears. We have that kind of father. But not only that, we have an inheritance laid up in heaven. Now, I'm one of nine kids, so here's the deal. I ain't getting much, all right? Just, just saying, all right? Maybe like an old shovel or something, all right? It's all right. I'm good with that. Am I? Yes, I'm good with that. My heavenly father, though, has a big inheritance for me. It's going to be a lot more than a shovel, 
It's an eternal home in heaven that Jesus says right now he's preparing for me. One of Paul's contemporaries, Peter, the second other kind of large leader in the early church, he says this, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. An inheritance is something that you are going to get, guaranteed. He says it is imperishable, uncorruptible, unfading, kept in heaven for you. This is not a stock that's gonna go bad. This is not a bank account that you're gonna lose. This is guaranteed inheritance that he has for you. Those are the things that happen when we become adopted. For the last few years, my wife and I have enjoyed a really special friendship with a husband and wife, Joe and Brittany Homchenko. Joe's working, but Brittany's up there. Hi, Brittany. And a few years into their marriage, they realized that they weren't going to be able to have children biologically. And this was tough. But they felt like God was going to give them children in another way. So they took the steps to become foster parents. And a little while into the process, they became foster parents of of two little girls. And after about a year of that, and as she describes, a lot of paperwork, a whole lot of meetings, a whole lot of home visits, they became official parents to Ashton and Mackenzie Sisters who are just a year apart. And if it's okay with you, I would love to share with you their adoption day picture. Is that all right? Would you guys like to see it? So this was from their adoption day this year. Can we just tell Brittany how awesome this is? I love it. They are so sweet. So Mac is in Joe's arms and Mackenzie is in Joe's arms and Ashton is in Brittany's arms. And Brittany told me that that was one of her favorite days in all of life, as you can imagine. And if you've experienced that, whether you were adopted or you have adopted, adoption day, the forever family day is a huge deal. But Brittany said there were a couple of things that happened after adoption day that really helped her understand this relationship and the permanence of the relationship. Don't miss this. She said, while they were fostering Mac and Ashton, the girls didn't say mommy. They weren't sure how all this was going to turn out. But from this day forward, the girls began to say mommy, permanently their mother. Another thing that happened a few weeks later, she went out to the mailbox and there was two official looking envelopes. You probably can guess what those were. She opened it up and found Mac's new birth certificate, Mackenzie Homchenko. And in the lines where it says parents, it says Joe and Brittany Homchenko. She opened the other envelope and it was Ashton's, Ashton Homchenko. And in the parents line, Joe and Brittany. Legal adoption that cannot, will not change ever. If you've placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, I don't have a picture to show you, but you've had an adoption day. You've been chosen, you've been adopted, you've been welcomed into God's family.
And nothing you can ever do will ever change that. Let me ask you a question. Could Mac and Ashton do anything too wrong for them to kick them out of their family? (laughs) No. They are theirs forever. We are adopted into God's family, and God does not kick anyone out of his family ever. So we're adopted, but Paul says there's more, kind of like those cheesy infomercials. But wait, there's more. There is more. He says we've been redeemed. The passage goes on and continues. We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his, there it is, grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We have redemption in him. Now, that word doesn't really mean a lot for us, but if you were there in 62 AD getting that letter, you would have known immediately what he meant by that. In that culture, it meant to buy something back, whether it was land or an animal, but most often a person. You see, slavery was the fuel of the Roman economy. Some scholars say between 30 and 40, maybe 50% of every Roman citizen was a slave. It was evil then, it's evil now, but it was a part of their way of life. It was as common as buying, selling, and owning a car today. So imagine, you were there in that church hearing this, your mind would have went to downtown Ephesus to the market, and you probably would have saw something like this. The person in charge waiting to sell off the next slave into a wealthy Roman household. And they sold boys, girls, men, women, children. They sold them off. So imagine you're there and you're watching this take place. And the auction begins. And the winning bidder wins the slave. And that person walks over and says, undo their chains. And that person who was just sold is scared to death because they know they're about to be they're about to be brought in as a slave and there's nothing they can do about it. But that person says, unchain them. And then he looks them in the eyes and he says, you are free to go. That person had been redeemed. That slave had been redeemed and set free. The reality is that we are slaves to sin. That's the reality that we are standing on an auction block, slave to sin, unable to save ourselves. Nothing we can do about it. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. We are trapped in our sin, destined for death. Nothing we can do. But Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus showed up and he came and said, I am going to purchase them with my blood. I'm gonna purchase them. First Peter says this, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus didn't purchase us with gold or silver. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we trust in him, we are set free. And nothing we can do will ever put those chains back on our wrist. When you are free, you are free indeed, is what Jesus said. So not only that, does he say you're free to go? No, he says you are free to come home. (laughs) You are free to come home. You're not a slave anymore. You're a son with an inheritance in heaven. You're not a slave anymore. You are my precious, beautiful daughter. 
You're coming home with me. We've been redeemed. But we've also been sealed. Yes, there's more. (laughs) Yes, there's more. He says this, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, that is it. That is all you have to do is believe in him. You were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance. Now, I'm going to give you a quick object lesson that might come in handy for you. Christmas time, Valentine's Day, I don't know. But early in our marriage, I uh, wanted to do something special for my wife Hillary on Valentine's Day. That was actually the first day when we were dating that we said, I love you. Isn't that sweet? Ladies, you're not paying attention. You know, so we call it I love you day. All right, so I went to the craft store and I got some things. I went and I got some fancy uh, envelopes and I got some, some, uh, some letters and I, and I wanted to go big, so I got uh, some melting wax and then I got a seal with an R on it for roads, all right? So I'm just gonna show you quickly how it works. So the first thing you wanna do, men, I hope you're listening, is get a card and just fill it with mushy-gushy stuff, all right? All the mushy-gushy stuff that you can possibly think of, all right? Make stuff up if you have to. All right, take that, no, that sounded really bad. No, keep it real, all right. Fill that envelope, fill the card, and you're going to slide it into the envelope. Don't lick it, all right? You're going to use the wax. So we'll see if this works. Get yourself a lighter. And this just lights just like a candle. Maybe it lights like a candle. There we go. All right, and you're just going to give it just a minute, and it's going to start to drop wax onto the envelope. All right, what do we got here? We've got one nice drop. This feels like a cooking show. You know, you want to give a couple of, couple of this. All right, there it is. Couple of drops of wax. Blow it out. Take your seal. Push it into the envelope. Nice finish. And there you have it. And this is what it looks like. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Pretty fancy. So today, go to the craft store, get this stuff. Wow, your significant other, unless they're here, then they'll have to be surprised, act surprised when they get it. So the reason I show you this is because this is what Paul meant when you are sealed. Now, at that time, they didn't have seals that looked like this. They had seals that looked like this. This is an authentic second century seal. In fact, It's online right now for $15,000 if you really like it, all right? This would have been worn on their pinky or on a string around their neck. And a seal was a person's personal signature, not generic, unique to them. So someone of wealth would have taken their seal and they would have had an official document that would have needed to get from one country to another. They would have filled it out. They would have sealed it with their signature and then sent it along the way. Now, why is that important? One, it showed the recipients who was the owner, who owned this official document. The second thing that it did is it sealed it shut. So as it traveled miles and miles, no one could tamper with it. Here's what Paul's telling us when we are sealed. God is our owner. He has placed his mark on us and nothing can tamper with your salvation. Nothing can tamper with your 
relationship with God. That is what it's saying. When we place our faith and trust in him, we are sealed. So, these blessings, these huge blessings, we've been adopted, we've been sealed, we've been redeemed, and we've been sealed. Today, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, like we heard Leslie articulate, today's your day. It's not about your works, it's about your faith. So you could pray a prayer as simple as this. God, I believe that the risen Lord Jesus Christ is your son and that he died in my place and for my sins. Today, I'm trusting in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins, the gift of eternal life. Thank you for adopting me into your family. If you have not believed in Jesus, I implore you today, be adopted into his family. You can pray this prayer right now in your seat telling God I'm ready I believe that you died for me adopt me redeem me seal me that is yours today and when you believe whether you just believed now or you believed in the past you became a child of God's forever that cannot and will not change it won't there will be times where you feel distant in your relationship because a relationship with God is, is really like a relationship with a person. There's times where you feel close and there's times where you feel distant. When you feel distant, don't think that you've lost it. Just do what James tells us. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Call on your daddy. <laughs> Spend time with your daddy. Talk to him. Read his word. Draw near to him and he will come close to you. Let me share one more because I know a lot of us worry about this. Can I lose it? What, what if I mess up? I'm going to share in closing two verses that someone shared with me when I was around 15, 16 years old and I never worried again after I got a hold of these verses. Jesus would often describe himself as the good shepherd talking about his sheep and this is what he said. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them what? Eternal life and they will never perish, ever. That is Jesus' words. The one who went on the cross, was buried, rose again. If someone raised from the dead, I'm gonna believe what they say. I give them eternal life, they'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Here's what I need you guys to do. Everybody here, I want you to take your hand out just like this. I'm gonna wait until all of you are doing it, all right? Just put your hand out like this. What Jesus is telling us happened when we put our faith and trust in him is that we were placed into his hand. Now close it up tight, as tight as you can. Jesus is saying nothing and no one, any circumstance can snatch you out of his hand, but not only his hand, it says the Father's hand as well. So take your other hand and layer that on top. When you, be, when you place your faith in Jesus, you become his child forever. No one can snatch you from his hands. No one. Be confident in that. And as Paul started this whole list of blessings, he said, praise our God and Father. Today, I encourage you, take some time. Praise your Father in heaven for what he has done for you. That he has adopted you, he has redeemed you, he has sealed you, and nothing can ever change that fact ever.
Hold it tight. I'm going to pray for us this morning. God, thank you that you chose us, that you love us, that you adopted us, that you freed us, that you sealed us, that you love us, you are in relationship with us today, and we're going to be with you for all eternity. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for holding us tight in your hands. Give us steadfast, unshakable confidence in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.